This podcast is brought to you by the Gosh Learning Academy. Hello and welcome to the first ever series of Gosh Pods Goes Green. Over the next six weeks on Gosh Pods, we will be focusing on the important issue of sustainability in healthcare, looking at the issue of climate change and how healthcare practices are contributing to this emergency. In the final two episodes of this first series, I'm going to be interviewing two of GOSH's green champions, staff members working at GOSH who are passionate about sustainability and embedding it in their day-to-day practice. They're going to be talking to me about some of the recent projects that they've completed at GOSH, providing a real-life example of how sometimes small changes are essential on the road to bigger change. So this morning I'm joined by Jackie and you are one of the occupational therapists at Great Ormond Street, is that right? And also one of Gosh's green champions. That's right. I am both of those things, yes. (laughs) Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for speaking to me today on this sustainability podcast. I just wanted to start by getting your thoughts about what sustainability means to you and why it's important to you and kind of, I guess, a bit of the background as to what prompted you to become a green champion at GOSH. Okay, so I've been involved in green issues for many, many years and I've been aware of it getting more and more urgent. And I think, I guess, I realise now it's a crucial issue in terms of healthcare and the World Health Organisation says the biggest issue for healthcare in our time is climate change. And I think of it as a justice issue and an equality issue. And because sometimes it can feel a bit overwhelming. So do things for myself within what I can control at home. But within healthcare, it feels like a very big issue. And so I suppose I wanted to join the Green Champions because it helps you to make connections with other people and not feel alone when you're doing it and find out what other people are doing, be inspired. And there's so many lovely people who are involved with the Green Champions. So it's been a really encouraging and yeah, just a lovely thing to do, actually. I've enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head for me as well, that actually the issue of sustainability and practicing greener healthcare just feels like such a big kind of mountain that it feels like it would be really difficult for you know one one person to make an impact and I guess that's why it's important that we do join up with other people and form these links and partnerships absolutely and I think if we're going to reach net zero for the NHS and we've got quite ambitious targets for the gosh even more than the NHS we need to work together and it's not going to happen unless people actually come together and decide to make it happen so we have to have green champions throughout every different area yeah absolutely and i think one of the things that was highlighted last week when i was speaking to another of the green champions caroline was that actually what can seem like this massive insurmountable goal can actually be achieved in part just by people taking up some smaller projects and working to smaller, more sustainable changes. And I know that you've been involved with a couple of these important projects at GOSH, and I was hoping you could talk to me a bit more about the things that you've been involved with. Yes, certainly. So one of the things that occupational therapists do for people who don't know is that we look at people's daily living activities. So what you need to do every day, getting up, getting dressed, getting washed, what you want to do in terms of leisure activities and getting involved and also what you have to do 
And for young people, that's often about attending school or play or peer support or that kind of thing. So one of the basic things is about getting up and getting around in the morning. And I work on neurology and neurosurgery wards. So we see a lot of children who've had brain surgery who appear with stroke-like symptoms. They can't use their hands effectively and they couldn't manage their periods. And it's obviously quite a difficult thing to manage your period when you're a young person anyway. Some people coming in and the anesthetics actually induce periods. They're having their first period on the ward and there's no products provided by GOSH automatically. So that was a problem in itself, but also they couldn't then be independent. So you imagine as a 14-year-old being on the ward, going through the trauma of operations and not being able to manage your period yourself or having to have a carer do it, a nurse or your dad or your mum. It's not very nice. So we thought about if you can manage your pants, and pants are obviously a lot easier to manage than traditional menstrual products, then they could be independents. And I thought, well, period pants, which are kind of padded cotton pants, and they are mainstream in society. If we could use those, then they could be independents. So that was our starting point. And then I guess I thought more specifically about the sustainability side of it and thinking, well, if we're going to provide products, we should be providing it for independence. We should be thinking about it the same way that we think about wheelchairs. It's something that just enables people to live their lives and get out and about and be independent. We should be providing it for a sustainability point of view because they're not single-use items. They're washable and we can reuse them. And also from a financial point of view, it's really important because it's quite expensive buying menstrual products every month. And with the cost of living crisis, we realize that that's a big issue for people. So if people can have something that they can use for, for three to five years, that's going to make an enormous difference. So that's the project in a nutshell. I was very lucky to get some money from our department and also some grant money. Fantastic. And that's all up and running now, the Period Pant Project. Is that right? That's right. So we initially worked with Nicola Wilson, the nurse, and we decided that information is really important. So we put some information about sustainable products, not just the pants, but about other sustainable products. It's on the GOSH website. So that's accessible for anybody. And we also realized that when people were coming in, they weren't having the prompts when they were talked to about what was going to happen when they came into hospital. They weren't prompted about, you might have a period unexpectedly because of the anesthetics. What are you going to use? And people were coming in without any products at all. So they were being given them by the nurses and that kind of thing. So realizing that we needed to have that conversation as well. So that was then added onto the pro forma, the electronic system that everybody is asked about that when they come in. Everybody over eight is asked about that. And then they were directed if they wanted to think about sustainable products to the information that was on the website. And we've also printed things out and put them on the toilet doors throughout the hospital as well so that that's available too. We're still in a pilot, so we're still getting information. We have a questionnaire which we ask people. So there's a QR code, the questionnaire to get feedback about what people feel about them. And it's been really fantastic, actually. We've had great feedback from people just saying it's a complete game changer. I don't have to rely on my mom, you know carers saying it's so nice for them to be independent so it has made a really big difference I think like you say it's a small thing I mean what's more basic than pants but it but it actually has a big impact on people's lives and also on sustainability hopefully it'll affect them decreased waste in the hospital and and people will talk about it and use it as they go forward in their lives as well yeah absolutely and like so many of these projects, so certainly like other projects that we've already talked about on this series, it sounds like it's great from the sustainability point of view in terms of reusable products, but also actually it has loads of other benefits as well. 
So, for example, the cost implications of reusable products and them being kind of overall cheaper. And then just also the fact that I guess it allows the young people to have more independence. So it's really fantastic in terms of just how many benefits it has. And it's also really good that the young people have been really vocal about how positive they found the project. I mean, of course, there's some people who don't like it and there's been pushback from other parts of the hospital as well. But the, but I've, I feel like people are getting a better understanding now of why it can be beneficial. And because it's so mainstream, because you can get the pants on high street shops as well, you know, it's not a specialist product and they just look like normal pants Yeah, and they're comfortable for most people. And I think that, that that's really been helpful. Yeah, so people becoming more familiar with them and being introduced to them are likely to kind of continue to use them in their ongoing life. I was going to ask about that, about kind of particular challenges or difficulties with setting up the project. And you kind of mentioned that you had had a bit of pushback. Could you maybe talk a little bit more about that and how you've worked to overcome that? Well, I think some of the pushback was that, well, we're not providing these products. Why should we be spending money to provide them? And we still haven't got past that point yet. So I applied to NHS Healthier Futures and they gave me a grant to buy the pants as part of the pilot. And part of that is really just to try and show that any benefits or what or, or not benefits or what kind of pants would be would be suitable. But we did have a pushback from people saying, well, who's going to wash them? How are we going to manage with the waste? There is still, I think, a, a bit of a, a taboo around menstrual blood. So even in a hospital where we're used to having you know, blood, <laughs> there was people saying, oh, well, we can't expect anybody to wash these. We can't expect them to go into the normal washing machines which I found a bit extraordinary considering we, <laughs> the, the other things that go in the washing machines. But because they're issued to individuals and they keep them and they take them home, they are then responsible for the laundry. And they're quite simple. You just rinse them out and then put them in a normal washing machine with the rest of your washing, the same way you would, you know, anything else. So Yeah, that's completely crazy that that could be the issue with, the, you know, the amount of bodily fluids we deal with. Is, <laughs> it's crazy that, that that could be the issue. But I guess it goes to show all these kind of unexpected aspects yeah. that you don't think about when you have a really good idea for a project. I think there's still, there is still a taboo about menstruation. That's why we didn't ask for people when they're coming in the same way yeah. that we would ask them. We, that, I mean, all young people who are having operations have pregnancy tests, but we don't talk to them about menstruation. There are sort of areas that are still very difficult to kind of push back against, I guess. And then moving forward now, what are your plans for future projects in your area? Because you're clearly quite passionate about this and quite good at yeah. getting, getting these projects done. Well, the next thing I was thinking of, just in terms of occupational therapy, because I feel like there's a fantastic woman who did this Venn diagram where it talks about the way forward for sustainability is to think about what are you good at, so you know about what are you what are you passionate about, and what can you do well. So thinking about where those things interlock in your life or what needs to be done, and I think that for OT we use a lot of wheelchairs and wheelchair parts, and then as soon as they become slightly tired or old they got rid of and in the NHS particularly because they have quite high standards about what you can't give out something that's a bit, little bit wobbly or whatever and they can't be fixed very easily that there's a lot of waste so I would really like to make sure that we are sourcing everything that we buy from ethical companies from B Corps making sure that we know what the supply chain is where the raw parts come from and also that we can fix them so we have the skills here to fix them either from biomedical engineering they're very good about fixing things actually but upskilling more people within the hospital so that we don't have to buy in maintenance and then we can make the parts that there's there's some kind of system that means that we don't have to bin things as as quickly as often 
So that would be wheelchairs, upper limb splints, looking at how we procure things and how we look after them and then how we recycle them at the end. Okay, fantastic. Yeah, that sounds like a really great, great idea because I guess that is does contribute to quite a lot of waste and it seems a shame mm. when we could be could be reusing more of these things. Finally, I just wanted to ask how other staff members who might have listened to you and been inspired, particularly potentially other occupational therapists, how could they get more involved in sustainability or any advice that you'd give to them? Well, I'm always banging on about sustainability. So my poor department, I keep saying to them, you can do individual things and you can do more societal things. So individually, I'm encouraging them all to talk about it because if, if it's important, you should talk about things. And if you don't talk about it, then how does anybody know it's important? So talk about it, listen to people and, and find out what their opinions are thinking about active travel and how they get to and from the hospital, which is better for us and better for air quality. And I think also just to think about asking questions, so challenging the system, challenging how things are done, challenging the way that things have always been done and can we do it in a better, more sustainable way? So asking those questions of managers and the system, I think those are the ways that they can they can get involved. Yeah, and I guess it makes sense that everybody should be kind of thinking about doing that for their own area of specialty or expertise or what they do on a daily basis, because nobody knows that area quite so well as the person that's doing it every day. Exactly. And that person doing it every day that might notice the small things that could be important, whereas, you know, a manager, but somebody that's not doing an action or a task every day might just not have that, that kind of insight. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for talking to me today. Thank you very much for giving me the opportunity. It's nice to chat to you. Thank you for listening to the first series of Gosh Pods Goes Green. We hope it has helped to improve your understanding of why the climate crisis is occurring, how healthcare practices are contributing, and how we can all start as individuals, departments, and wider NHS trusts to recognise the problem and be part of the solution. We really hope it has inspired people to think about how they might make small changes in their area of work that may ultimately lead to bigger institutional change. To find out more about sustainability at GOSH, or to sign up to become a GOSH Green Champion, go to the GOSH intranet site and search for sustainability. We really hope that you've enjoyed listening over the last six weeks, and stay tuned for Series 2 of GOSH Pods Goes Green, arriving later this year. The team at the GOSH Learning Academy would love to get your feedback on the episode, as well as hear your suggestions for future topics you'd like to hear on GOSH Pods. You can find a link to the feedback survey in the description for the episode. If you want to hear more about the work of the GOSH Learning Academy, you can find us on social media, on Twitter, Instagram and LinkedIn. Or you can visit our website at www.gosh.nhs.uk and search Learning Academy. Thanks for listening to Gosh Pods and we'll see you next time. Goodbye.